Hey everyone, welcome back to the Microcast and Microcosm Community Call. This call was recorded live on Friday, November 4th. We had a great call this week, diving deeper into the topic of mental setbacks and dealing with prolonged injury and illness. We started the conversation off by recapping Coach Zoe Rome's experience at the Puerto Vallarta 100K and how she dealt with setbacks following Western states that ultimately paved the road to a great race there for her. From here, the conversation goes deeper as we hear from Coach Drew Connor and Kylie Van Horn about their experiences dealing with setbacks and the approaches they use and what they advise athletes to do when dealing with setbacks in their journeys. Coach and clinical social worker Sarah Strong offers some wonderful advice on acceptance and Coach Kristen Schindler helps transition the conversation to embracing community as a tool for working through setbacks. This is one of my favorite parts of the call. I hope you enjoy this episode, and as usual, if you have any feedback, a question for a future call, or are looking for support in your running journey, please visit us on the web at microcosm-coaching.com or contact us at microcosmcoaching at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, we've got some great stuff to talk about today. It's good to see everybody after the, the week break. Um, yeah, we went to Puerto Vallarta and it was an epic weekend for the microcosm team. We had Zoe got fifth in a pretty competitive international field. Pretty awesome. And then we had another one of our athletes, a newer athlete, Jody. She was 11th in the same race. And uh, yeah, and Bijo, he went top 20 in the 50K, which had over a thousand runners in it. Um, so that was just like totally epic. Um, I had an awesome time just following along with all of our athletes and seeing what they were doing and like just all of the hard work that they've put in and see over the course of the entire year and just kind of seeing that culminate was was really huge. And I think that it was um, such a special and interesting place to do a race. Uh, we, yeah, tried to train a little bit before the race for Zoe. And we kind of found out pretty quickly that like there isn't like much of a, a running scene in Puerto Vallarta. Not a big run hub. Uh, at all. Yeah. Not a running town. <laughs> We, we, we took a, an Uber adventure trying to find some of the, the yeah. trails that were part of the race. And we were really unsuccessful in locating any of those trails. And it, it turns out we we're unsuccessful because- There are not trails. There's no trails. <laughs> um, they basically, as it was described to me by the, the winner of the 50K, he said he felt like they took a machete and followed a GPX track through the jungle and just hacked down some foliage. And like, that was it. But, you know, no trail on the ground itself, just kind of a, a tunnel through the jungle on. And then, you know, kind of hearing from Zoe and some of our other athletes like that the race was just really crazy um it was silly it was real silly would not recommend to anyone <laughs> if you're tempted because you saw some cool photos buyer beware um they were really up on their pr game like i 
I mean, going into the race, there just like wasn't a lot of information, which I was actually kind of like at certain points glad for just because training for Western states, every part of that course is a known factor. In the days leading up to the race, everyone's tweeting about the forecast and saying what that means for your race. Like everything is so dialed in. It really, I don't like, maybe I actually thought, oh, like this is really great for my like elite competitive brain, but maybe it wasn't because afterwards I kind of like really struggled to process that DNF. So going into a long race where like, there's not like, there's no, there was nothing on trail run projects. There's nothing on Gaia GPS. There was nothing even on Strava heat maps, which just meant that like no one had like ever run there before. Um, lo and behold, it came to pass that no one had ever run there before because there wasn't a trail there, which makes sense in retrospect, um, but would have been nice to know ahead of time. But on the UTMB website, they had all these just like gorgeous images of people running through agave fields and like next to waterfalls. And I can with 100% confidence say that those are stock images because nary a waterfall was experienced. Um, you do run next to agave fields, but not certainly not through them. Um, but you do win tequila if you're in the top five. So it was 100% worth it. Because <laughs> we drink so much tequila. We drink here. a lot of tequila. We're big into it. Um, we love our liquor. <laughs> it's base sarcasm, building season. Sarcasm. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm just curious, we've talked a lot about um, mental, the mental side of training over the past couple calls, we've talked a lot about working through setbacks. Um, I'm just going to, yeah, talk a little bit about you for a second, and this could be uncomfortable, but you definitely struggle coming back from Western states, and I think uh, that journey was not linear at all. Um, in fact, it was pretty extended as you described to me multiple times, even going into a couple weeks out from the race, you felt like you still hadn't like been fully over Western States and that it was just such a hard summer. And I'm curious how you, I don't know, went about compartmentalizing what happened at Western States in order to give yourself a chance to yeah, stay competitive against some really great female athletes in the 100K. Um, yeah, what was your what was your process there? I think for me, even though like mentally, I, I think I struggled a bit. I mean, I, there were also some like, I just felt like I was so fit going into states that it felt like every version of Zoe after Western states was like an inferior post-Western states Zoe. And that was hard. But I also like, a lot of that was probably in my head. But the good thing was, is like, regardless of how my brain felt, I showed up every day anyway. I didn't miss a single day of training. I missed like maybe a couple miles, honestly. Like there was one weekend where I was supposed to do like a self-supported 50K. And so like I got up to go do like two years out of town. I was going to do the whole thing on my own. And like 18 miles in, I was just, it was like, it was shitting snow and I was just slipping in the mud and I wasn't really running. And I was like, you know what? This is like no longer a run. This is like... This, I don't know what this is, but this is just, this is not productive training. Um, but other than that, like I got the training done regardless of like when I felt like, yeah, what's the point? Like if I'm just gonna like DNF, like why work so hard? Why dedicate like so much of my life to this thing that I was like, well, like, Hey, what else are you going to like, if you don't do this, you'll probably just work more. And that's not super healthy. And if you keep just like, Oh, like 
leaving the door open for joy, joy will come back in. It's not going to come back in when you want it or expect it, but you got to keep showing up and opening that door. And that's how I felt like all my runs were, was just like showing up, hoping it would feel good, showing up, hoping it would feel good. And it kind of, I mean, there were definitely some like really great days this summer, but overall it didn't, it really didn't feel that awesome. But like, you know, I've been through like tough times and running before, and I knew that it wouldn't last forever. And I knew that I just had to keep like moving forward and problem solving things like working with my therapist, making sure my nutrition was good, like trying to set better boundaries at work, doing like all the really small, annoying mental things to kind of help the physical stuff get better. And I think like another mistake I made early on this summer was like after States, I just kind of like you know, I was dealing with some like perception of self stuff. And so I started weight training a lot harder than was productive for my running. Um, and it definitely slowed me down. So I like had to like basically scrap my entire weight training program and then, you know, consult with experts to develop a new one that was going to help me like actually get faster and not make me feel super slow on the trails. And it was like, the only reason I'd been doing the really aggressive weight training was to service an emotional need and not to service a physical need. And so that was a really powerful lesson to learn. But like, I just did every, like, I just did everything I could to like, kind of keep rolling the happiness dice. Like maybe this will work, maybe this will work, but I just never gave up on, on that part of it. Let me just jump in. Cause I really think that you said some important stuff here that athletes can, um, yeah, just process in, in terms of what's going on in their own individual journeys, but leaving the door open for joy. We have talked about, you know, we're coming to the end of a, a year here, essentially, and the season for basically every athlete. Um, you know, most of our team has completed or gone for their biggest goals of the year. And we're moving into a base building phase. We're thinking about maybe 2023 goals at this point. And I think it's just so important uh, to remember that, you know, joy is what perpetuates this process. As simple as that sounds. And for all of our like really type A high achievers out there, you know, a lot of you, you people aren't waiting for the joy factor and maybe are discounting how important that is. And I'll, I'll tell you, like in our culture of excellence here at Microcosm and in our house in particular, like it's easy to forget about like that this stuff is supposed to be fun and to just put the work in every day. I think what reminded me was that it's supposed to be fun was like after my performances were like so unimpressive, I was like, oh, that was never the whole point. Like, yeah, like if you're just going to DNF in the biggest race of your life, you might as well have fun. Well, exactly. You know? Like, exactly. Like what we do, I think we were joking, like we were, when we were in Puerto Vallarta, we were reflecting on TJ's CCC experience. And I remember like, I was telling him that I remember thinking to myself, like you can't DNF because we like, this would be such an expensive bad day. So you got to at least make it like worthwhile. Like you got to finish the race. Cause like we can't keep <laughs> having expensive bad days. I mean, but that you can't. And unfortunately, like right, that's right, the right. sport, right? But and like, we were like, this is such a dumb thing <laughs> to spend like all our time and money on. All of my money. Yeah. Thousands of dollars of my money and my sponsor's money. And, you know, it's just like, ah, uh, you know, the feeling because you, you know, you went out and, and had a tough day at Western States. And it is like, there is an emotional toll that, you know, exist there afterwards and it's important to recognize those things and and for me like 
the the biggest takeaway that I had after CCC and like this, the thing that still like keeps me going as I work through some health struggles right now is like, wow, the, the CCC build was like the most fun build of like my whole athletic career, essentially. It's like I hadn't, I never had so much fun, got to run all these amazing trails, got to train with one of my buddies. And like, that was just like the best. Um, and so it's not like, you never know what's going to happen on race day. Um, unfortunately, and like our, the human body can be really fickle, even, even if we, and the mind too, even if we do all of our due diligence, we put that time in. Um, and so if we forget like that, this is about having fun, it's about the journey. Um, it becomes really difficult to, to zoom out and then stay with the process for long enough to then experience like a great race like Zoe had at Puerto Vallarta and things like that. And so we have to give ourselves these opportunities. We have to consistently zoom out, keep the door for joy open. Like, I really love that. Like, even if you're not experiencing joy and like, I, I don't know any athlete. And for some people, honestly, guys, this could last years. We don't want that. But I've heard stories from my peers who have had years of feeling bad and they just keep the door open and eventually that breakthrough happens. And like, I I don't want that to happen for you guys, but like there are so many different external factors that can affect how well your training is, how well you race. And so, you know, you got to keep giving yourselves that opportunity. And so you really have to love to do that. Um, Even when it sucks somewhere in your self-conscious, you just kind of have to love that. And I think like for Zoe, as much as she very healthfully externalized some of the, the struggles after Western States with me, which I fully, fully, fully want to, you know, reiterate, externalize the things that you're going through, it really helps to normalize it and to have somebody to mirror back to you what you're feeling. And so you're not always in your own head. Um, You know, if you keep doing that and keep setting yourself up and just trying, eventually, you know, you reach that point. And I'm not sure if Zoe feels like that race was a breakthrough for her, but like given given the I feel like it's not like a, a an on paper breakthrough. I think like on paper, you're like, yeah, that seems about right. Like I scored like just above like where my U, like time wise, I guess, or like placement, like right around where my UTMB index would have predicted. But I think like I, some of the things I struggled with during Western States, I corrected during that race. So like I improved and there was noticeable growth, like in competition growth. And I also like, like my mindset going into Western States it was such a big race and there was so much pressure and so much attention on me and the whole thing that like, I had to like get into this kind of weird, not, I wouldn't say it was totally uncomfortable because I am a pretty confident person, but I had to be so confident. Like everyone was asking me, how are you feeling? How are you? Like I had to do interview and like, I do this whole thing. And like, I had to kind of like, I like to my coach, I called it my version of like Sasha fierce, which is Beyonce's like performance alter ego. Like, I feel like I had to be in my Sasha fierce mode, like all the time which like was fine. Like it didn't feel bad. It didn't, it felt really authentic to me actually, but I felt like I like was like really straining my self-belief muscle, like not really the in training one, but the like 
the way I was living life self-belief muscle and going into Puerto Vallarta, I like didn't call on that muscle at all. Cause it still felt like a little bit overextended. And I was like, I don't, I just can't lean on that. I can't be like this, like really like, yeah, like we were talking uh, anyway. Um, but I noticed like all of my behaviors were still in line with being Sasha fierce. I was still doing strength training every day. The only thing that I didn't do that I wish I, or well, I didn't really heat train like for Western States. I was like, I'm going to heat train every freaking day that I can, uh, for this race. I literally got in a sauna twice and I was like, you know what? Everyone's imperfect. Like you can't do everything. Um, and that ended up being like totally fine. So like my training was like, I would say 90% dialed for this race, even though it felt like sloppier to me, just because for Western States, it was like a hundred, like hundred percent. Perfect. Didn't miss a step up. Didn't miss a sauna session was like driving myself crazy, trying to do perfect training. I think that it, my training still were the behaviors of someone who believed in themselves, even if my head wasn't like, you know, I didn't feel like a well walking billboard of self-belief. People were like, what are your goals for this race? And I was like, honestly, like finish. And like, I, like usually I would say, I just want to finish. And I'd be lying. And I had like a very distinctive goal in mind that I just didn't want to talk about. But for this race, I really wanted to just have fun and finish. I think it's interesting just to go back a second to talk about your perceptions of perfection going into Western states as compared to how you kind of had to let that go. Um, you know, not a lot of people, your athletes, our friends understand like the context of the rest of your life and just how busy and how much you work and how, you know, difficult it is. I mean, I would say like, to be honest, like we've got nurses and doctors and then it's just your schedule. And I'm like, Jesus, like, this is like real similar you know, maybe you're not working, you know, overnight shifts, but I mean, you work like basically every waking moment of the day and there has to be at some point a, a moment where you realize like, you're not going to be able to execute a hundred percent of your prescribed training all of the time. And so like, you know, maybe you were over indexing a little bit on that at Western States. And so like knowing and like that didn't really result in the result that you wanted. And then coming out of that, you're like, well, you know, I still have to execute to that same level, even though like the circumstances of my life are, are even more challenging than they were going into Western states and like holding that really tightly. I think it's like such a hard. Yeah. It was like such a Zoe lesson to learn because going into Western States, I was like, if I'm perfect, then I'll be okay. Like I'll be accepted by the community. I'll do well in this race. Like I need to be perfect in order to be accepted and loved. And that's, that's just normal and fine. And so I'm going to be perfect. And I was like, I felt like I was pretty darn close to being perfect until the shit storm of a Western States DNF slash like losing my a significant portion of my job via the print magazine being cut. And that all happened like within a few weeks of each other. And that was really, really, and, and also on top of some really intense online harassment um, that like really shook me to my core. And I was like, Oh, like, and I, I had tried, I had been trying to be perfect at work also. Like I was like the first to come in and then the last to leave. And it just like, didn't matter. Like I lost the magazine anyway. Um, and like tried to be perfect at Western States. Like I never, like if I had eight to 10 miles, guess what? I was doing 10 and then I was doing my strength training. Then I was going to the sauna after, like I was going to be perfect. I thought being perfect would save me and it didn't. And so then in this training block, I was like, kind of like had like nihilist vibes of just like being perfect. Isn't like, I might as well just like, not, I don't know, like 
you know, may, like maybe the outcome will be good. Maybe it won't be, but like, don't try to be as perfect. Yeah. And, and again, like we mentioned this a little bit in, in when we spoke about some of my reflections on my CCC race, trying to find that balance there where you, where you nail everything and you feel good about everything. I, I, consistently change my mind about that. And I try to reiterate that to the athletes. It's, you know, about striving for something, knowing that it's going to be an imperfect process. Yeah. And I think like something that I've been coming back to a lot is like, I had a training day this summer where a dear friend of mine recommended a loop in the Alpine. And when I went out to explore it, it turned out that the GPX file he had sent me was like all wrong. And I ended up just schwacking around the brush all day and being like, so frustrated and just like feeling like, wow, what a waste of a day. Like I could have been running. I could have been getting fitter. All I was doing was just like wandering around the back country. And then that was like definitely the best preparation for this Mexico race, like all year. Cause basically like, that's all you did. That's for all it did. Like this was a race that would not care if you were perfect because it was so freaking stupid, which is amazing. And I really needed that. Like, it doesn't matter if you're perfect when you're just like on a, you know, a mountain of pine needles or when you're up to your knees and leaves, or when you're walking through a river, like being perfect is not helpful in those cases. And that's really, that's like such a good reminder that like the jungle does not care if you are perfect at all. Yeah, you're so right. I want to use that to kind of get the other coaches involved in the conversation and segue over to some of our um, yeah, just our topics for today. Yeah. Does that, yeah, yeah. Is that cool? Um, so in the same kind of vein, we've got another really great question, um, around it's a, I would say it's a mental performance question. Um, when you're injured or sick for so long, and again, I think in the same vein, you know, when you have months and months where maybe you don't feel like your training is clicking, how do you endure that? How do you stay motivated um, to come back? And I want to maybe start with Drew on this, and then we can come back to you, Zoe, because I think you probably had some great takeaways there with keeping that joy door open. Um, but yeah, Drew, I'm curious what, what your take on that is. Experiencing setbacks is a very normal part of the sport we've chosen to participate in. And so to think in the moment, like, like, this is just my problem. This is all me. Like, this isn't supposed to happen. It's just kind of setting yourself up for, you know, a, a tough mental, you know, process or whatever. So, um, in my experience, um, when you've experienced setback, whether that's an injury or a race that didn't go the way you wanted or an injury or whatever it is, um, oftentimes when you're kind of coming back from something like that, it helps to just, I know it's impossible kind of, but just you have to forget everything that you've done, like to, to just dwell on it and be like, it's not like this didn't go the way it was supposed to go. I worked so hard. I wasted my time. Like all these negative thoughts, you you can't do that to yourself. You have to forget about it and you have to look forward. You have to start preparing for just whatever's next. Um, easiest ways to do that. And again, uh, I feel is to just one week at a time, like one seven day brick at a time. We're not looking at 
three months, six months down the road when you're thinking of like what that next big thing is. And like, man, I've got a long way to go. I just had to take three weeks off because I got COVID and was super sick or whatever the reason is. Um, who cares? Like one week at a time, what can I do this week to better prepare myself for what's to come? What can I control this week to prepare my mind and my body for what's to come? Um, and so that's kind of kind of my thing, like allowing your coach to zoom out and look at the big picture and prepare you accordingly. But what you can do is really put those blinders on, focus on just the immediate future and what you can do to, to kind of make it work for you that week. Yeah, a hundred percent. I really love the idea of just controlling the controllables and breaking things down into smaller parts. I know like for myself right now, I've been struggling a lot with my health and I have to literally take things one day at a time. And if I have one day that feels good, awesome. I'm going to like run a little bit more. And if I feel a day that I don't feel very good, like I just take the pressure off myself and say, you know what? It's part of the process. That's okay. Let's do a little bit less today. Um, Kylie, you, I think have like a really unique life experience when it comes to dealing with long-term injury and, and like consistent injury, what, what are your, what's your take on this? Um, well, I don't know if it's unique, I would say, cause I do know other people that have had, you know, longer term things that they deal with, but, um, it's interesting. Like I never, I didn't really deal with injury and setback as much when I was uh, running in college and high school. And then it almost kind of all, like, I feel like it was like karma or something. Like when I, I think it was about five, five or six years ago, I like got my first, like more serious injury uh, with my foot. It was like a freak thing that happened on a trail. And then from there it was, it's been harder to like climb back. And I think um, it's really kind of forced me to like look outside of, you know, what running, you know, being obsessed with running and like making it my only identity and trying to um, kind of like you were saying, like enjoy it more um, and appreciate the times where things are going really well. And then also like appreciate the times where like I can just go out for a 30 minute run, you know, like go out and I am able to run with no pain or like with no, um, you know, I've been dealing with some like fatigue issues and stuff lately with hormonal stuff, et cetera. And so like going for a run and feeling like it's not super hard or even appreciating just like going out for a run. And so, you know, I don't have, I think a lot of people are like, I have to, I have to have this like race goal as like the reason why they're running. And I, I don't like, I feel like I don't need that. <laughs> like, I just, you know, I appreciate running for what it is now, but in my past self, maybe like was very focused on these like goals and it was my identity and that sort of thing. And like, I felt like maybe not a, a good enough person if I didn't perform in a race or like, you know, didn't have the tr perfect training block. And so I think that the setbacks have kind of 
you know, shifted my perspective a little bit. And that's not to say that it's like not still hard because uh, I do want to be racing. But at the same time, you know, it does make you like grateful for being able to run. And then kind of like Drew was saying, you kind of have to take it or you, you said TJ too, you have to take it like day by day. Like, it's not like, you know, for my athletes, I have an athlete that just got like a pretty serious hip surgery. And it's like, we can't necessarily focus on like six months from now and like be stressing out about what if my hip hurts again and like that sort of thing. Like you kind of have to be more focused on like, what can we do right now? Like to try and help you heal and try to help you get back to where you want to be and, and that sort of thing versus like six months from now, what if my hips hurting again, you know, and like that, that can be hard to do though, because you are, get some anxiety about like, what if I never like can get back there or what if I never heal properly, et cetera. Um, so I think I wrote, like I was thinking about this ahead of time, I tried to uh, get some like therapy as well. That's been helpful to just like talk through some of the stuff. I've made sure that I have really good people on my team for like recovery. So I think like throughout this process, like uh, I haven't had really like a lot of perfect training blocks, but David's still my coach. Like I haven't really been like, oh, I'm injured. So, um, you know, David, I've been injured for like on and off for the last five years. I don't want a coach anymore. Like I actually want the coach because even if the training isn't really, you know, that complex to build, it still like gives me something to work on and like also someone to kind of, you know, be on my team, like cheering me on. So I think that's kind of, that's really important because I've had some athletes that have gotten injured or like had a setback and then they just completely give up on running or coaching. And I guess, you know, I just want people to think about like, why, you know, why are you running? Why are you training? Um, and is it, do you really want to give up or, you know, is it just because like, maybe you're feeling down about the process and maybe we can help you as coaches through that process. Um, and then like other team members too, like, you know, a strength coach or a, um, PT, um, I'm not trying to like say that anyone needs to work with a dietitian, but like some athletes that have recurring stress fractures, like a dietitian is like a really, really important part of your recovery process. If you're getting multiple stress fractures, so something is not right. And it most likely involves your diet. Um, it could be biomechanical too, but there's oftentimes a strong connection to diet. So, you know, looking at all of those team members that are going to help you get back to. So that was a little long-winded, but <laughs> no, that Super was good info. awesome. And just to kind of point out a couple of things that I thought were, were really excellent there that you mentioned, Kylie, the, the first one that really stuck out to me was the process of going through these setbacks for you helped you to realize that you were leaning too hard on external motivators and you weren't looking inward enough um, for motivation, just like the pure like joy of going out and running. 
Um, and I think that that is soon as an athlete has like their first big setback, that's something that is often illuminated to them very, like right away. Like, oh my God, I don't have this goal. I can't work towards this goal. So why would I run? And it's, and like, that's incorrect. That's mm -hmm. not, that's not the correct way to look at things. We have to be like, in order to have success in a sport like running, which has so many inherent impact forces where injury and setback is 100% guaranteed at some point of the process. Like, I don't know any athlete that's been pushing themselves that hasn't had a setback, illness, injury, mental performance setbacks, whatever it is, it's, it's going to happen. So it's really important to recognize that. And then to have those internal, that internal motivation to get you through. If you're constantly relying on things out, externals are outside of our control. We have no control over externals. So if all of our reliance is on externals, we're in a lot of trouble. If you're relying on your friends to get out the door, races to get out the door, what you see on social media to get out the door. Or Feeling motivated. To, to find motivation. All of these things, you, um, you're going to have a, a tough awakening moment at some point where your identity, like you mentioned, Kylie, is kind of going to get shaken up. And that's an important part of the process. That's the part of the process where you really have to lean in. That's when you've got to do the, the hard, the hard work. And when you've done that, you know, you kind of emerge like Kylie has, and you have this new kind of acceptance um, that I just think is, is really important. It's a big part of this. Um, I want to actually turn it to Sarah a little bit to talk about acceptance and kind of the role that that plays in this. Yeah, I was, and a lot of things that, um, Kylie and Drew were talking about uh, made me think just like reiterated some of these things. So, you know, you want the attitudes of acceptance and curiosity as opposed to the attitudes of resistance and expectation. So what that looks like is if we are accepting that we're injured or that we aren't feeling how we want to feel, then, and we're curious about it, then we say, okay, this is happening. I don't know how long this is going to take. I'm like, I'm going to take it a day at a time. Um, and, you know, but also like, this is my reality today. So today I don't have this outlet for my stress. So I need to identify another outlet because what will happen is if we're resistant to the fact that we're injured or resistant to the fact that we're going to need some time off, we say, well, I don't need to spend time finding another outlet because this is going to end really quickly anyway. And so I'm just going to like, you don't spend the time investing in those other parts of your identity or the things that are part of your healing or the things that are, are going to help you manage your stress because you think that running is going to come back to you right away. And it might, but it might not. So acceptance helps us make um, sort of like controlling those controllables. It helps us, or like Kylie was talking about, identifying what um, could have caused it. You know, like we have to have acceptance in order to think about how to move forward. And um, the other part in terms of like curiosity versus expectations. So, you know, I know this happens to me, even though... <laughs> I know my pattern and I've done it a hundred times still anytime I'm in the recovery process, I will have one good run 
And then the next run, I'll be like, it's going to be so awesome because my last run was so awesome. And then that run sucks. And then I have a whole story about that. And if instead I go into that run with some curiosity, like, okay, so yesterday was good. I wonder if my foot's going to hurt today. I wonder how many minutes in until I notice my foot. I wonder if I can get through this run and not notice it at all. That's all curiosity as opposed to like, I think this is going to be a good run because yesterday was, which is an expectation. So um, one thing that I noticed that you guys are talking about, well, if I don't have a goal, then, um, you know, I have no motivation. The thing that I find people doing is being like, well, I'm going to set a goal for nine months from now, because totally nine months from now, I'll be back to where I am or where I was, right? And that's, again, that acceptance versus resistance thing. Certainly hope so. Certainly, I believe in that. And I love the nine, the idea of that nine month timeline, but why put ourselves, why have that timeline that then doesn't allow us to be curious because we are putting pressure on ourselves that this run has to be good. So I need to make this progress because I've got that, I've got that goal now that I've set nine months from now. And now we're putting a timeline on our recovery process um, that we've made up because it's what we want and what we're hopeful for and maybe what other people's has been, but we should just be curious and um, let that timeline like, um, show itself to us, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. I think it's so important. Um, and I love the distinction between kind of expectations and um, yeah, more of curiosity that you mentioned there. I think that that's really important. That's something actually that um, I feel like a lot of athletes, yeah, tend to misinterpret, right? Like, Oh, yesterday felt good. I'm certainly guilty of this a lot. It's like yesterday felt good. So, you know, today is going to feel that good or better. Um, and that's unfortunately, if things were linear, they would work that way. But, um, but they're not. Uh, the one thing that we have talked about previously in this question is, and this is something that Kristen mentioned a few weeks ago when we talked about dealing with setbacks um, on another call, but talking about having other hobbies and things that we can lean on um, during moments where we do have setbacks. And I think that there is, if you've really built out a robust tool set for dealing with challenges, you can often have the perspective that a a downtime in your running as a result of injury or illness or whatever is the opportunity to dig into something else that you enjoy at a higher level with more attention, with more time. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I use. That's a technique that I use where I have a lot of other hobbies. My life doesn't revolve fully around running um, as much as I, I enjoy running and coaching and all of that. Like I also enjoy like other things. And so whenever I have a challenge, it gives me the opportunity to invest my time in other stuff that otherwise, like I wouldn't necessarily have the time for because I, you know, I'm training a lot and working towards goals and, you know, getting out in the mountains, which is something that I really love to do. Um, so I just, I want to reiterate to all of you guys and encourage you get involved in, in other things, even if it's just a few minutes a day, you know, for example, you know, like I, I play the guitar and really enjoy music. And so I invest time every single day in that, no matter what. And 
when I have an injury, I get to invest more time in that, which is great. I also spend a lot of time meditating and really enjoy that space. And so when I'm busy, I have less time for that. But when I'm not running as much, I have more time to explore that. And so those outlets, they give me something. They raise up the joy factor in my life when I'm challenged in you know, the athletic life part of my identity. Um, and so having that, those tools, having those hobbies can be really effective. They're not band-aids, they're opportunities, they're other outlets of expression. Um, that's how I like to, to think of it. Uh, could be outlets for stress relief and other things too, which is something that people, you know, they get a lot of stress relief. I've been excited to see Kylie leaning into, you know, her, her with stuff with her dogs, like doing competitions with Lotsi and showing Ellie. I think that's such a fun way to, I don't know, do something like I would assume that like she gets to connect with her competitive side in that process. Um, but also just gets to hang out with dogs, which is the end all be all of most of my life, truly. <laughs> so, I, I think ahead. that hits on something like when Zoe said it, that it lets her be in touch with her competitive side. I think like that piece, like what are you missing from running? Because for everybody, that's going to be different, right? That's part of your why. So when you're thinking about what it is that you're missing, then that helps you figure out which activities then to turn to. So are you missing the social connection? Then add social stuff to your life. You know, are you missing time in nature? Then figure out how you can get out in nature. So what is it about running that you're missing? Yeah, it's so, so important. Yeah. yeah, love that. Um, I know we, we kind of touched on this, but I just wanted to see if any of the coaches had a suggestion if you are dealing with kind of some anxiety around the, yeah, the comeback process you're feeling like oh it's not happening fast enough um you know I'm I'm missing out I have the pressure of this upcoming goal but I'm not getting healthy fast enough Do any of you guys have uh we haven't heard from Kristen yet some suggestions on just like how to um yeah maybe cope a little bit with that anxiety or the pressure that we might be feeling to get healthy on a on like a faster timeline <laughs> Um, I would say that there, there shouldn't be a timeline, like you shouldn't hold yourself to the calendar when it comes to an injury or a setback of any kind. I think if you're signed up for a race that you've really been looking for, like looking forward to, like, that's, that's great to have it on the calendar and like use that as motivation if you need to. Um, but I think, you know, we talk a lot about holding your training loosely and, this is that time like to do it. So, you know, if you're not progressing as quickly as you think, if you're, if your injury is still like popping up every time you try a test run, um, you know, like it's really easy to freak out, but I think that those are the moments where you just, you, you can go back to the drawing board and say like, okay, what else can I do? Or how, um, how else can I, can I approach this and just come at it from, from a place that has like more to do with like gratitude than like, I need this. I need this. I want this. I want this. If I don't have this, I'm going to get, not get Instagram likes, or I'm not going to be known as a good runner or I'm not, you know, I think that those sort of thoughts become toxic and you can spiral. So I think just like holding everything as loosely as you can and not 
putting so much pressure on yourself to perform when your body is like asking you to chill? Yeah, we've, we've had a kind of like broad topic of community and volunteerism on, on this like ongoing Google doc with our community call information here. And I personally, I wonder if there is a way that when we give back during challenging times, when we are able to, I don't know, go out and crew a friend when we can't do a race or go volunteer at an aid station or something like that, that we're able to kind of engage with the with the running community in a way that like makes us feel like we're involved, like we're working towards a goal that can help maybe ease some of those anxieties. Um, Cause we don't want to like take away the running. And this is like why sometimes like for me, when I can't, like if I have a day where I can't run right now or where I have to do less, you know, and I start to feel anxiety, like I had to drop a race that I was going to do in two weeks from now. And so important to stay flexible and, like I, I don't go like on Strava because of the things that Kristen mentioned. Like it's just too, it's a little tough for me emotionally to see like my peers training hard and going to like the world championships or whatever. And I'm like stuck at home. Like, am I going to run, you know, this week or not? And so like, I almost think that there are some other things that we can bring into this, the discussion, like volunteerism, um, maybe even like maintaining similar routines but like putting another activity in there instead like for example like i'll drive the 20 minutes down to our athletic club i'll stretch for 15 minutes then i'll do like heat training instead of you know regular training and then i'll like you know like i'll try to like do something that's involved uh that involves me with the process and keeps me like hyped on training but doesn't like necessarily like ask me to like go run hard on, on a body that doesn't want that um, yeah, I would just, you know, Drew, you and, and Kristen, you guys both had some great notes on community. I'm wondering like what your thoughts are on getting involved, how that might help, um, you know, just using that as a tool to deal with some of these setbacks. Do you, either of you guys want to chime in on that a little bit? I, I will real quick. Just, I think that volunteerism is incredible and it doesn't matter if you're injured or not I, I mean getting out there and being a member of your community uh, not just your run community but just out there helping others is so incredibly important every single person i'm sure that's gonna watch this video now or watch it later has run a race where they've benefited from uh the volunteerism of others um and and to be able to give that back to others i mean is is lots of different aspects to this one like it gets you in that environment right all of us like going to races and you feel the excitement and the buzz in the air you get that same thing too when you're handing out water at an aid station or clipping chips off of shoes at the finish line or whatever it is um it's it's fun it's free um it is uh you're giving back i mean it, it just you for for me anyway, I forget about all like the worries and stressors in my life when I'm volunteering, just like I would if I were racing, like you're just in the moment and like, it makes you happy. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's, you just, you gotta, you gotta do it. 
Yeah, I would say the feeling of giving back and helping other people is just like such a rewarding feeling. And when you pair that with being part of something bigger than yourself, like the trail running community or the running community in general is like, it's, it's pretty profound. Like the people you meet, the impact that you have, and then the impact that other people have on you. Like those are things that you can take into your day-to-day life. You know, like we, we talk a lot about how running is a microcosm for life and I think volunteering is like a really good example of that. Um, There was a situation last weekend at Havelina where um, I was crewing for a friend and had a really close friend of mine come down from Oregon and she was crewing for another friend and we didn't have enough hands when both friends came in at the same time and just watching the people in the tents around us be like, oh, I can help. And like, we didn't even know these people, you know, so it was just, it was really cool. And then talking to other athletes who had just competed overseas in the Canary Islands and we're like, we're going to work the overnight aid station. And like, we're here to hang out with the community when like, you're like, God, aren't you tired? But like the community gives them life. And I think that seeing that and being there and sort of like feeling those vibes, like reflecting in every direction was just like, It was so cool. It was so energizing and just like a good reminder of why we do this insane sport. It was really cool. I've got an athlete right now who's about five weeks out from a big marathon. Uh, She'll be uh, flying or was, well, I think she's still going, but flying from uh, the US to New Zealand um, to run what will be, I think like her third or fourth marathon. So fairly new to it, really excited, wanting to run like a marathon pretty much on like every continent kind of thing. Um, And and literally like just a freak accident broke her foot like five weeks out from her marathon and she's in a boot, she can't run. Um, So her and I had a call, we discussed like Uh, like really trying to get her to go, just go, like go there, volunteer, be a part of the race experience. Like all the work you've done, you know, it's not wasted. Like you're still going to like, you're a better person, you know, from having to do all this and you get to still go and enjoy your visit and meet new people and have new experiences. You, you cannot let an injury or sickness or whatever, stop you from uh, at least experiencing some of that, that race culture, that race experience. You have to go, you have to do it. I'm really excited to always have like a built-in, like a couple, it was a a couple, a week maybe after Western States or two weeks, I had to crew TJ at Silver Rush. And like mentally, I was still just like, the last thing I want to do is just be around ultra runners. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm just like over it. Like, I really want to help TJ succeed, but it did still feel kind of challenging to be so like upfront and personal with the, the sport that I was like, having some feelings about um and lo and behold i got to spend most of the day with courtney dewalter (laughs) um who was crewing her husband there and we were just like talking and i just felt like i don't know if there is an ultra running god she definitely planted courtney like right in front of me and like courtney was like yeah i dnf'd at green gate also man like it sucks that's the worst aid station to have to hike out of um and like getting to bond with courtney about like you know, just like the ups and downs, I think like really, like it's one thing, like it just helps to do with the greatest athlete of all time, probably like, I don't know, that that was really nice and helpful. And like getting to see how she like was really showing up for her partner, helped me better show up for my partner. And like, she was also 
above and beyond like the most stoked person at the Leadville 50. Like she was cheering. She was like, what's t-? like, she was like, what's your partner's name? What bib number is he? Like, does he need flasks? Like, what can I do? And I'm like, well, okay, like, cool. And she like, when TJ came in, she was literally like running alongside him, trying to like get video of us. Like just, she wanted to be involved. And I'm like, okay, if that's how Courtney just like gets involved in other people's races, like that's the bar. Like that's where I need to be for like embracing embracing this journey um and also you know she was just like a cut like a one week out from hard rock at that point so like she sets a very high bar she sets a very high bar my god (laughs) um and she stayed like all day at the finish line like with you know like a cooler a beard just like cheering people in like wanting to know how like tj was doing she's like i'm trying to track it like it was awesome um and that's that's like how you that's how you DNF is, is that way. <laughs> and that's like how you show up. And that, that really was helpful for me. Like, cause it was fun. Like it took something that I was just like, like the sport man, like it just is so stupid and it sucks and I hate it a little bit, but I love it. And I have to like, regardless how I feel about it, I got to show up for TJ because that's, you know, he showed up for me hugely at, at, at every day at Western States and also every day leading up to it and all the days after. So, Yeah. I think that it's important just to, yeah, recognize like the power of like that's inherent in supporting other people. You know, I know the coaches kind of know this because we do this for a living. Um, and every day we're helping people and there's a lot of um, really amazing like energy and power in that. Um, but on the other side of that, you know, when you're an athlete who's going through a struggle um, you know, getting out and giving your support to another person or feeding off of, you know, some energy from Courtney and seeing her as like a model for like how to be involved in the community and like all of these wonderful things. And, you know, Kristen, you know, a few weeks ago even had like mentioned some setbacks dealing with her dad's health and how that affected her mental health and like outreach from, you know, her community about that and support. And, and so like, if you're on like a, a very narrow individual path, you know, you're a very independent person, which I would describe myself as a very independent person. I, I feel there is a space for community. Try to embrace that. You know, it's something that I'm constantly working on. I feel like my greatest challenge is like, I've built a community of 200 plus athletes and like, that is in, actually hard for me. That's not like my superpower. Um, and so like, I've given myself that challenge, but like we, we get to see that it does raise up everybody. It raises everybody up. Um, and that's like the whole point. And so when you're going through something, you know, hop on the Facebook group, like send a message, you know, come on one of these community calls, like ask a question that we can answer to help like normalize something that you're going through. Um, Because that support goes a long way. And if you're like really struggling, go support somebody. Like, even if that's hard, like I actually really love like crewing and um, I enjoy that. So like for me, like when I get to go like crew Zoe and and, like, we should do a whole call on crewing Puerto Vallarta because it was like one of the most like interesting crewing experiences that I've ever had. Um, But like, it does help to keep you involved. Even if you can't run, even if like I was out there and I'm like, damn, you know, like I, I feel like I could probably do really well at this race, but like, it's not my time, you know? And like, 
have to accept that and like give part of yourself to like the race in another way. You know, like I got to crew Zoe, got to help organize an aid station that was kind of like totally in disarray out there, you know? Yeah. So Mexican was, aid stations, yeah, man. It was really an interesting process on, um, but I felt like that helped to, to energize me and to kind of like, yeah, provide some more stoke. That's going to help take me through these next few weeks and, and hopefully get back to health. And like, I know that everybody has kind of different versions of what this all feels like, but when we have other people around us, when we insert ourselves in other parts of the community, maybe more localized communities, like what Drew is mentioning, maybe like going out to uh, like a local half marathon and like running an aid station, or like maybe you're not training hard, but you want to pace somebody who's running a two hour half marathon or something, or, you know, like Kristen mentioned, going out to Havelina and just like getting stoked and being part of the community, crewing people. Um, it can really help to, to just lift, lift up your spirits, lift up the energy. And a lot of that is external, but hopefully it feeds the internal, right? Like it feeds your why it kind of relates back to your values and the things that keep you involved in this process long-term because inevitably we're all going to get injured. We're all going to get sick. Um, you know, and that's just how it goes. We're all going to have tragedy that we have to deal with and all of these things that make training difficult. But the, the point is that we stick with it. We keep the, the door to joy open, like Zoe mentioned earlier. And, you know, through that process, we get to discover more about ourselves. We get to learn and we get to become better versions of ourselves and all of that. And I think, you know, that's often hardest when we're going through a struggles to remember like these things like make us better. But, you know, that is, that does exist there. And the more opportunities, especially that first big setback as a runner, um, if you can get through that first big one, you're going to have all of this extra like ammunition to help get through the next one. And it's going to be a lot easier. Um, so I would encourage if you're an athlete who's kind of dealing with something, if it's even been persistent in long-term, like again, refer to our last couple calls, just try to start to develop your tool set, try to normalize and make peace with what you're feeling. Um, and then just bring in those experts, bring in the community, stay engaged in a way that feels good and authentic to you and just kind of keep that door open. It, it will help. You will get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I don't want to go on to any other topics today because I feel like we really like got into to this mental emotional stuff. And, and it was really awesome. If you liked this, you might also like therapy. <laughs> and I will say that, um, we all recommend it. We do. Yeah. yeah. It's really helpful. Um, well, thank you guys. Thank you coaches. Appreciate all your perspectives. Um, we have a, looks like a snowy weekend here in Colorado. Ski season, baby. We'll see you on the roads. No more trails. Have a good weekend. Everybody. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> Bye.